0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you are about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. So the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Christ Jesus and God the Father, who raised Him from the dead, And all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, notice he's not writing to just Galatia, one church, he's writing to a region. Galatia was a region, he was writing to all the churches in that region. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, notice that he starts this letter talking about himself being an apostle, not by man, not voted in by the 12 disciples, not by a council, but by God, he was anointed, he was appointed as an apostle. And why is he starting this way? Because he is about to explain the severity of why he is writing to them. And he needs to make it clear to them that he is ordained by God. That the very words that he is speaking are from God. Can I tell you that God is still doing that today? That God is still raising men and women and gracing them in positions and giving a voice and authority to speak into the church and to the body today. Amen? So... He says, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of the Father. Now he's going straight to what? The gospel. He's mentioning what Jesus did for them. He's getting them back to a place of the gospel because in a second, he's going to talk about something that they have allowed to get them off the course that they were called unto. In verse 6, it says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, God, who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Notice within this, if you read in Paul's writings, he usually praises them for what they are doing, their efforts. This is the only letter where he doesn't do that. He says grace and peace to you, but he doesn't praise them for what they're doing like he did to the church of Corinth. No, he's going straight to the issue. So this means that it was a serious issue. In verse 6, he says, I'm astonished. I'm astonished that you're turning to a different gospel. In verse 7, it says, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, notice this in verse 7. In verse 7, it says this, not that there is another one, or which there is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. I want to break this down for a second. In Galatians 1.7, it says us three different things about this different gospel. First, it was an illegitimate gospel. That word or that saying, which is not another, means it is a completely false gospel. It is different. Second, it was not good at all, but troubled. It was troubling the churches of Galatia. And then third, it was a distortion or a perversion of the true gospel of Christ. Three things that this different type of gospel was doing to the churches of Galatia. See, that word, which is another, if you read it in the New King James Version, it says different. So different it's complete opposite of the actual gospel. It opposes it. So this actually wasn't another gospel, but it was a completely different gospel. And then, if you continue on, he says, there are some who trouble you. Those who brought this other gospel to the Galatians brought them trouble. They didn't advertise their message as trouble, but that's what it was. Notice that they brought this gospel to them, and what it started doing to the churches of Galatia was causing trouble within them troubles within the church is trouble within their own personal mind see someone who troubles you means that someone brought this false gospel to the Galatians false gospels don't just happen people bring them and the people who bring them may be very sincere and have a lot of charisma we can see that in today that we live in there's a lot of people that bring false gospel and they have good charisma they got good character They have the right heart and the right idea, but usually it causes trouble. It causes confusion. It causes conflict. Note, this is what Satan tries to do. He uses people like this to penetrate the church and and God's believers to be deceived and lied and manipulated to. And he does this very well. And thirdly, it says to pervert the gospel of Christ, meaning to distort the gospel. See, this gospel was really a perversion, a distortion of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It didn't start from nothing. It's become something completely new, pretending to be the real thing. It uses the names, the ideas familiar to the Christians there in Galatia, but it is slightly twisted to the ideas to make their message all more deceptive. Does this sound like Satan? Satan. A snake, when he was in the garden, and Adam and Eve, and even how he worded it to Eve, it deceived her. And this is what Paul's saying to the church of Galatia. Now, there's something about this message of the true gospel that is deeply offensive to the human nature. Can we all agree? The gospel in itself is offensive to the world, to the nature of sin, or to the nature of human. To understand this, we should first understand what the true gospel is. And you find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. Turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4. And I'm building a foundation before I jump into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. And it says this, More other brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you receive in which you stand by which you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain. Next one. For I deliver to you first of all which I also receive, and here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel. The message of the gospel is what Jesus did for us on the cross, what he did for us in the grave, And what he did in his resurrection. Can we all agree that's the gospel? Okay. So when we understand how offensive the true gospel is to the human nature, we can better understand when someone's trying to pervert it. Let me say that again. When we understand how offensive the gospel is, because it is, to the human nature, we can understand when someone is trying to pervert it or distort it for what it really is. They try to distort the truth. See, God has put his spirit in you, and you are able to discern what is right and what is wrong. Can I get an amen? He will lead you. He will teach you. He will train you if you let him. And he will show you what is truth and what isn't truth. And a lot of times we override that because of a feeling, because of an experience, because of something that we've gone through. And we allow that to hinder us from changing like the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. What are we renewing our mind into? The word of God. Not to some idea, not to some belief, not into some thing that somebody says that sounds good, that pleases me, but does it please God? See, the gospel offends our pride. It tells us we need a savior, and that we cannot save ourselves. There's people in this world that think they can save themselves. They don't need a savior. They're wrong. They need a savior. See, it gives no credit, credit to us at all for our salvation. It is all the work of Jesus for us. Jesus did all the work. Can I get an amen? The gospel offends our wisdom. It saves us by something many consider Foolish. God becoming man and dying a humiliating, excruciating, disgraceful death on our behalf. Some would say that's foolish. So it opposes our wisdom. And thirdly, the gospel offends our knowledge. It tells us to believe something which goes against scientific knowledge and personal experience. That a dead man, Jesus Christ, rose from the dead in a glorious new body that would never die again. We would be called crazy. We are. But what I mean by crazy, we've been enlightened to the truth of God's word. We've come to the reality that it is real. And how do we know? Through faith. Amen? Now, this is where I want to get to in verse 10. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, if you can turn there. For I am not seeking the approval of man or of God. Or for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. How? So this means that the gospel or this other gospel that these people were hearing was trying to please them. Paul's saying right here, I'm not trying to please you. Or does it look like I'm trying to please you? No. I'm pleasing God, because if I was trying to please you, well, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, if I still please men, then I would not be a bondservant of Christ. That's another translation, a bond servant. See, there are preachers and people that seek fame or popularness, or being popular, or having some type of entitlement, and they will compromise the word of God. And they will choose to be popular rather than faithful. See, victory is found in faithfulness. And faithfulness sometimes, and I shall say this, faithfulness most of the time is found in not compromising. You can't compromise the word. When you walk faithful to God's word, there's no room for compromise. See, Go to Genesis chapter 39. We're going to talk about a man that was faithful. Genesis chapter 39. This is a story of Joseph. Now Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers at the age of 17. And by the time he was 30, he was over the house of Potiphar. God favored him, and it says that Potiphar saw that God was on him, that God was in him. We're going to read a couple of scriptures, and let's start in verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. How awesome is this? Because of a person's faithfulness, not only do people see that that would have been also following after God, but someone that doesn't follow after God saw the faithfulness in him. How true is that to your life today? That when you remain faithful to God, when you remain a bondservant of Christ, when you stay and you serve him and commit your life to him, not only do people in the house of God recognize it, but people out there recognize it. You know, a lot of times when I talk to someone that's not a Christian, one of the first things that they say is, why would I be a Christian? A lot of Christians are just like me. There's no difference. I can't tell a the difference. They have friends that say they're Christians go to church, but they do everything they do. It's true. And we are called to live different. And this isn't to bring shame, guilt, or conviction or condemnation. No, sin already does that. Sin condemns you. No, but God has already freed freed you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we continue to live in the flesh into the bondage that we are free from, that we have died to. See, faithfulness comes from the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit. We know that that is a fruit that is produced from walking in the Spirit. When you go to Galatians chapter 5, you see that the fruit of the Spirit, and it talks about love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, is produced when He is in you and you are in Him. John chapter 15 says that we are the branches in the vine, and if we abide in Him and He abides in us, we will produce much fruit. See, as Christians... We produce fruit or we don't produce fruit. And how do we produce fruit? By being in him. By walking in the spirit. Not walking after the flesh or the things of the flesh. But walking after the things of God. By committing our life to God. By following him. By having a hunger, a thirst, a desire. By committing our life to him. Loving him with our whole heart, our mind, our soul. Everything that's within us. This is a life of faithfulness. And this is what Joseph was. This is the picture of who he was. He had a faithful heart. And he was in a place of slavery. And today you may be going through something. And you may feel a slave to it. You may feel like it's overpowering you. But can I just remind you today that what you're going through, God is with you. God is with you. You're not alone. And even what you think you have to handle, a lot of times you don't. You give it to God. And how do you give it to God? Rejoice. Praise. Count it all joy. That's the expression. That's the fruit that you know that God's got it. Faith. We know that it produces love, joy, peace, comfort. This is what it produces in our life. So, Joseph, if you continue to read on, it says that he found favor in Potiphar's sight, and he attended him. And he made him an overseer of this house and put him in charge of everything that he had. Now, continue on. It says in verse 7, and after a time, Potiphar's wife, or his master's wife, cast her eyes on Joseph. And if you look before that, it said that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He was a good-looking guy. Now, scholars have said that there's a possibility that Potiphar was would have been an Enoch, meaning they couldn't procreate. They couldn't have love so, or make love. So Potiphar's wife possibly had a strong desire for sexual relations. And so noticing that Joseph would have been good-looking, that would have been the reason why she went after him. This could have been the motive. But notice this. Joseph is faithful in his walk towards God and also to his master. And now, here comes temptation. Here comes the enemy bringing along something that could potentially compromise his walk with God and compromise his relationship with his master. And this is what happens. She looks at him, casts her eyes on Joseph, and says, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in this house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than am I, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Notice that first he says, I can't wrong my master, and also I can't wrong God. See, what you do as a faithful man and woman of God affects not only your life, but it affects the people around you. It affects your family. It affects your kids. It affects your church. It affects everything. Not only God, but the people around you. Joseph understood this. He understood that if I compromise in this moment not only does it offend God and hurt my relationship with God but it also offends my master and hurts my relationship with my master see you got to be very mindful that what you are doing and how you're walking and serving God is affecting the people around you see that's why we have to grow This is why we have to give ourselves to the lifelong process of spiritual development and growth in God because there are people around you that need to know God and you might be the only person that can do it. This is why it's so important to not compromise in your walk as a believer. What do I mean by compromise? Anything that can be a weakness to the life that you live. This is why it's so important to have fellowship with God because when you have fellowship with God, you won't be deceived and manipulated to do things that are contrary to his word. Amen. The Bible says this, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is promised is faithful. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Notice it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, without wavering. Notice as a person that is full of faith and is faithful to God, we understand that not only that we are faithful, but he is also faithful. You serve a God that is faithful. It also says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. How many times have you remained faithless? Or faithless? That you just, you've been down. You didn't have the faith for certain things. You weren't trusting in God. You weren't leaning on him, like the Bible says in Proverbs, to lean on him and trust in him with your whole heart. Maybe today you've been told something You've been given a notice that, you know, you're sick in your body. You have this. Or maybe it's been, you know, your marriage isn't going well. Whatever the case may be, maybe your kids aren't serving God. And it's been hard to have faith in that moment. It's been hard to believe God to be faithful to his word. But the Bible says right here that he will remain faithful even when you are faithless. This is how good he is. You know, isn't it interesting? The Bible says when it comes to marriage, women submit to your husband as your husband submits to God. You know, a lot of times husbands want submission from their wife, but they're not submitting to God. Let me encourage both parties. Wives, submit to your husband, and husbands, submit to God. If you want to see your wife submit to you, submit to him. Promise you he will. He will. And they will. Amen? See, even your kids will see that. Joseph right here, we notice, is submitted to God. That is a sign of faithfulness. See, faithfulness is about having character. Turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter, actually Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It says this in verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we rejoice in our sufferings. Some of you today may be suffering. Rejoice in it allow it to teach you, allow it to train you because that's where character is made. One of the greatest lessons I was taught from my dad was that character is what you do when no one's watching. When you're alone, that's how you know you have strong character. See, every single one of us are going to have times of testing, times of refining, trials, circumstances. They're going to come. You can't pray for those things to go away. They're going to happen. You read all in the Bible, that's what produces character. The Bible even says right here. It will produce, that endurance will produce character, and character will produce hope. You can't have hope without character, and you can't have character without endurance, and you can't have endurance without suffering. That's part of it. So instead of trying to pray it to go away, rejoice. Go through it. The Bible says that he is a shepherd. Go to Psalms chapter 23. Let me just encourage you for a moment. Psalms chapter 23, very familiar passage of scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We just got done talking about the Holy Spirit restoring you. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. We can continue to read. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Powerful scripture. So go back to Genesis chapter 39, and I'm almost done. He told her, or he refused because of his master and also because of God. He couldn't sin against God. And it says that she spoke to Joseph day after day. So now, it wasn't just one time. It was day after day. It was consecutive. It was consistent. And that's very similar to us. It ain't just going to be one day that you go through something. Sometimes it lasts for a while. It does. Maybe it could be a circumstance you're going in right now. Maybe it could be a sickness. Maybe it could just be the desire to want to sin. Can I tell you? If that desire to still do those things is in you, that's because you haven't killed it yet. And how do you kill it? You get in the presence of God. You might have to get a little violent about it. If you've got something going on that you can't get out of and can't stop, you're probably gonna have to change what you do. You might have to discipline yourself a little better. You might have to change your habits. You might have to change in everything that you do. Come on. If you truly wanna be free from it, you're gonna have to change something. Because if you just expect something to change doing the same thing, well, we know that's insanity and it won't work. Joseph heard this day after day. It said that he would not listen to her, though, He to lie beside her or to be with her. He wouldn't. I guarantee you that he probably tried to avoid her most of the time, but it would have been difficult. But one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were in there in the house. Here comes the perfect moment. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of the household saying, see, he has brought among us to a Hebrew to laugh at us. He's came into me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. Now she begins to lie. She's took the opportunity to use it against Joseph. And we know what happens is as you continue to read, Potiphar comes home, she tells him the same thing, and Potiphar throws him in prison. But then, even in prison, God favors him and gives him room and promotes him. The jailer makes him the head within that prison cell. And then he tells two, or he uh, interprets two dreams. And then one person that was with Pharaoh, the other died, but the other went with Pharaoh. And he reminded, and he remembered Joseph that could interpret dreams. And Pharaoh said, bring him to me. And he told him the dream and he interpreted the dream. Well, we know that Joseph was promoted to being over all of the land. And that his dream that he was given as a boy actually came into fruition. His brothers were bowing to him. God remained faithful to him because of his faithfulness. He could have compromised. See, God will remain faithful to you. God will remain faithful to you, even when you are faithless. But it is important to be faithful in what you do. You can't see any fruit within your life if you don't have faithfulness. You can't see any growth if you don't stay faithful. Faithful to your family. Faithful to the church. Faithful to God, these three areas are important for a believer to stay faithful to. And this is where you find victory. You find victory. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Who will be faithful today? Come on, how many of you are faithful today? Faithful in your walk, faithful in what you do, faithful in your heart, faithful to your children, faithful to your spouse, faithful to your family, faithful to the house of God. You know, again, this word multiplication was given to us as a church for this year. And I believe if we continue to steward this word, we will continue to see the fruit of it. We will see the evidence of it, not only within the church, within the corporate body, but also individually, within our home, within your personal home, within your family. Maybe this year's been a tough year. Maybe your kids are running further than they've ever ran before. Maybe your body's going through things it's never gone through before. Maybe you're at your biggest which seems like the greatest mountain and trial and circumstances you've ever experienced, don't lose hope. Remember, endurance leads to character. Character leads to hope. Hope in what? Hope in Jesus. We know that the word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When I was praying this week, I felt in my heart to pray over people. that you would be encouraged and not inspired, but you would be encouraged and remember how good God is in your life. And that would be the thing to help you with what you're going through. See, it's important to know that God is still faithful and he is performing on your behalf. Just like it says in Romans chapter four, Abraham didn't waver but he knew that God was faithful to perform on his behalf. I'm telling you right now, God is performing on the behalf of every single one of you. Whether you're sick in your body, whether there might be some issues going on at home, whether it's in your job, maybe it's within you internally. Maybe there's some things that you're just having a hard time overcoming. Well, greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.